you protect what you love. Hunting is a life, not a lifestyle, it's a life. This is Hunters to show people how great of a job we're doing for conservation, providing for ourselves all the things you and I understand. I think you kind of owe it to the animal that you're hunting to be as prepared as possible. You know, as I get older, I appreciate the laughs and the time and the experience. And we're rolling. All right. So this is new. Yeah, it's the first one, isn't it? It's the first video podcast. And you got me on it. And you dodged me. Yeah, you dodged me for like a year. (laughs) I never dodged you. (laughs) No, um, but it's cool. Um, One, you know, it's a new avenue. We used to try the podcast, but then getting to put it on YouTube, that'd be pretty fun. Um, But I've been wanting to get you on here for a while. Sit down now. You know, like, I think your ratings are going to go through the roof after this uh, broadcast. (laughs) I don't doubt it. Um, so, obviously, I told you before we did this, the main reason I wanted to bring you on here was to talk about uh, maybe like deer, rifle hunting deer, because uh, one thing we always open the door to for people here is uh, we always say send in any questions you got via yeah. on Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and we always get just a ton of gun questions. And absolutely going to get into that. But another thing that we always do on here is – kind of update people on what has been going on at Cottonmouth. Correct. And one thing that we have not covered yet is anyone that listens to this podcast, I promise you, has heard us talk about Rocker because we talked about him. I don't know. You know how we are, how we are oh, around yeah, here. He's, he's, a, he's a buck we've been hunting for three years. He was the story of the farm for yeah. a long, long time. A, you know, he he became a, a, a obsession almost. Yeah. And he he was almost like a – Sometimes, like, you, we'd go out there, like, okay, he's out there somewhere, but we never saw him. Yeah. And, you know, it was like he was just a, a ghost almost. Well, we'd get, uh, uh, you know, trail camera pictures of him. Mm-hmm. But usually they were at nighttime. Uh, yeah. He was uh, really a smart buck. We started hunting him when he was, we think, four years old. Yeah. And he was a, a good 10-point. Yeah. And he got s- smarter. You know, Brad was hunting him a lot. Will hunted him some. I hunted him some. Mm-hmm. We all hunted him some. Yeah. And, um, but we finally connected on him, yeah. uh, this year, yeah. about a week ago. There had only been two people that saw him on hoof. Yeah. What, well, if you count, you know, you, Troy was with you when you saw him. Yeah. In the Arkansas field. That was two years ago? Yeah. And, and, uh, Troy and I were hunting in the Arkansas field and it just killed a big wide eight point. And we look over to the other side of the field and there's Rocker standing about 150 yeah. yards away. With some does and uh, oh, it, I put I put my rifle up just to look at him through the scope and yeah. oh, it was it was <laughs> that was pro- probably that it, it, that year he was really close to his peak I think yeah I would agree he he definitely because I mean talking about just antler score wise he definitely had gone down yeah but still I mean so, looking at the they finally pulled the, the we pulled the jawbone out of him he's got to be six or seven yeah. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was for some reason. You know, his antlers. They they should have peaked about then. But for some yeah. reason, he was at probably at his best when he was a five year old. Yeah, four or five. And I don't. I don't know why, but he was still yeah. a beautiful, impressive yeah. buck. So. And we had all that story with him. Yeah. But, but yeah, you saw him that one time, and then I was filming Brad one time. Uh, we were bow hunting at the in the secret bottom where he lived, and that's the that's the only two times he'd been seen on the hoof yeah. really uh-huh. and um but yeah and so 
we put the the secret the the secret patch, which has been historically one of your favorite places to hunt. Uh, yeah, it's it's always been my favorite place ever since we've been hunting here at Cottonmouth. Yeah, but this year we did something different. We always planted like in wheat and oats, mm-hmm. like everybody else uses. Yeah, but this week you and Jordan came in here, what in September, right before we left for or August even yeah, before I, we left for elk season. That was I would love to take credit for that. I would. But uh, I was here the year before the first year we did it, but that was uh, – we didn't get the rain right for us to plant, and I was in Colorado. So yeah. that, that all credit of that goes to Jordan and Ben, I think, was down here. Yeah. But well, I should have known you didn't have anything to do with it because it turned out <laughs> real good. But anyway, planting that, that fall blend that we've got now mm-hmm. with, the, with the turnips and the, and the radishes in there mm-hmm. – I mean, we knew where Rocker lived. He lived in the secret bottom. Yeah, and never left. Never left. And yeah. he really never left about a quarter-mile radius of where he mm-hmm. lived. Uh, and the whole time we hunted him, well, you know, because we get tra- trail camera pictures of yeah. him. But y'all planted that in that in that new product of ours, and it just turned out so well. I mean, the you know, it's, it's knee-deep now in, yeah. in the great big turnips, and he loved it. Yeah. And that, the smell in that field, you can smell mm-hmm. the, the plants in there, the turnips especially. And it was just so strong, and it it, 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 it was right next to his bedroom, probably yeah. two or 300 yards at the most from where he yep. lived, where mm-hmm. he bedded. And he was coming into that field every day at uh, about 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. And we never – ever got a pattern on him like that no ever we brad if brad and i hunted him the week before you killed him but it was bow season then yeah and we saw him but he was like 70 yards you know we were in we were in tree stand and i like i can that's i'm very lucky for the footage purposes of that deer that for the first like 20 seconds I could see him with my eyes, but for the camera, he was behind a limb because <laughs> I'd looked at that deer for pictures for so long. When Brad yeah. goes, I said, "Is that?" Brad goes, "That's him." I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> "But and uh, but you know, I was just so happy to see him." And then the next week, uh, y'all went in there, put that blind up, and Jordan sent me a clip of the footage, and he's tearing those brassicas up out of the ground, he's just tearing them up by the by the stems, big huge green stems with a big turnip on the end, shaking the dirt off of them. Yeah. Tw- you know, cleaning them yeah. and then eating them like a spaghetti noodle. It was, mm. it was unbelievable. That's such a cool – I mean, it's it, – it, I won't lie. Like, the first time coming back, it was a little weird. It was almost – it was almost – it was a little bit remorseful knowing I was like, Rocker's not here. Oh, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Because after I pulled the trigger on him and he dropped, you know, and it was just so many emotions coming through. It's almost like I had shot somebody I knew, yeah. you know. yeah. And – it it it's it, it was just I don't know I've never felt that way mm-hmm. uh, before but it was almost a little sad I get it and uh, and uh, but we're having him mounted yeah and we're gonna put him over our fireplace here at Cottonmouth so he'll be with us yeah. for for a long time and we ate some of his back straps at supper last last night, night. yeah he was delicious yeah he was really good <laughs> yeah yeah but that was cool it's yeah, I, I I had to, we had to get on the rocker story before we got into anything else and you know just, I, people gonna ask what does he score and you know you and i we hate scoring deer yeah i really uh, do. i mean we get some beautiful deer troy killed a beautiful eight point last night and we're thinking what is he 145 155 you know and you put that tape on there and it, and it kind of ruins it i'd like to just say he's a you know he's a rocker's definitely in the 160s i don't think he's a 170 mm-hmm. But he's just a perfect ten point, not beautiful rack, uh, and uh, just he weighed two hundred and forty something pounds. Big. 
because he's full yeah. of turnips. Yeah. <laughs> he loved the yeah. turnips. And it's just at that point, and we talked about that, I mean, I, I don't mind, you know, I, I don't think it takes away, you know, just because of how much we follow that deer saying, you know, he he was bigger here and bigger there. But I know you didn't care. Any of us didn't care. We, you know, it didn't bother us that he was smaller, you know. No. He was just, it was all part of it. Yeah. Just part of the story, and we had so so much history with that deer. But there's never been a deer since we've been on cottonmouth hunting that we fought, that we hunted that hard. Sometimes it's more about outsmarting a deer. When you hunt one particular deer, mm-hmm. and he gets you know gets some age on him and everything. It's, sometimes it's just more like a battle of the wits. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's probably why you don't you come up short a little bit every once in a while. That's probably so. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, and and part of it is. Uh, Somebody said that, man, y'all finally figured Rocker out. I said, no, I honestly, I don't think we figured him out. I think we got we got him to make a mistake. I'll never understand a deer like that fully. Or, or just got real lucky. Got real, I'll, I'll take luck any day. Yeah, because a deer like that and how long has he lived on that farm and doing what he did, I think we just finally caught him slipping. I, I don't think we but, figured him but out. But the good news is we think we got some of his sons yeah. still walking around this place, and they're – yeah huge they had plenty of time like yes, I said, six or seven year old deer but um so let's get into the gun stuff all right let's get into that i know that's your your area of expertise that i mean i love guns whenever i need like a scope mounted i know i'd probably screw it up so i said i'll just take it to jimmy you know i i, I like i like i like bow hunting i like it a lot mm-hmm. but i'm the kind of guy i get frustrated when i see a good deer and he's out of bow range right and uh, now, you know, I'm using a crossbow some. Mm. I really have enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and crossbows are really growing in popularity. Yeah, now. they are. They make mission, the one I'm using, that sub one, is awesome. It's almost like shooting a gun with a scope and crosshairs. And the trigger on that thing. Oh, yeah. It's about a three-pound trigger, just yeah. like one of my hunting rifles. So. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but guns is you no know, doubt that's my, that's my favorite. Right. And I always knew that about you. And, I mean, I remember uh, the first – like where were we? We were elk hunting. It was that elk hunt we did with Nugent. You oh yeah, shot that Ted. Bull, you Uncle shot that. Ted. You shot that bull at like how far was he? Yeah, I think it was about three hundred forty yards. Yeah. down in a valley across a creek. And, and you made a shot that only somebody that spent a lot of time shooting could make. Because yeah. I remember we were gutting that bull. We pulled the heart out, and that bullet hole was right through that heart. And yeah. I said, "Good gracious." I mean, I feel like I maybe could have killed that bull, but I couldn't have made a shot like that. Well, I've been I've been lucky through the years, so. yeah. and I I do I shoot a lot, and that's that's really the key to to being successful gun hunting. People yeah. that just uh, uh, give their rifle to somebody else to zero in for them, or they go to the range, they get it zeroed in, then they just put it up. Mm-hmm. I like to shoot a lot during the during the year. Yeah, you know. Let's talk about. I'm glad you brought that up because that's not. Um, that's not the most common question we get, but I know we get questions related to practice, and then a lot of people with that mindset of, you know, it's a gun, it's not a bow, get it zeroed in, and then just go hunting. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't look at it that way. No, they're missing out on a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, shooting uh, targets and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I love to shoot steel. I like to shoot things that react when, <laughs> when you hit it. You know, yeah. hearing that, you know, you see where the bullet hits on that steel, you see it wang and stuff right. like that. Yeah. It, makes it, it just makes it more fun. Yeah. Especially for kids. I, when I'm teaching a kid how to shoot a gun, mm-hmm. um, you know, the worst thing in the world is just let them shoot paper targets. Right. They lose interest. That's, it's not any fun. But you let them shoot tin cans or bottles or, you know, uh, milk jugs full of water. Right. Stuff like that. Yeah. It gets them really excited. What do you uh, 
what do you suggest to people? Because we do get this one a lot. It's like, hey, we get a, you know, I can't remember specific ones off the top of my head, but we get a lot of, hey, I'm introducing my son or my daughter, and they're, you know, young, young, young kid. Yeah. Um, never shot a gun before. What do I do? Well, you want to get them excited about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so many people don't start their children young enough uh, to into hunting, into shooting, whether it be with a bow or a gun. Here in Mississippi, we don't have that problem. Most kids four or five years old have already killed a, a buck. You sure. know, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, it's it's kind of part of our tradition here. But start them out uh, young, you know, with a twenty two rifle or pellet gun. I started out, uh, you know, remember shooting at four years old with BB guns, moved up to pellet rifles, mm-hmm. me and Will. I would always, I'd get a new pellet rifle, I'd pass mine down to Wilbur. <laughs> uh, then, of course, 22s and stuff like that. But, you know, kids nowadays, uh, they got all these video games. And yeah. a lot of those video games have guns in them. Right. And uh, I know my grandson, uh, for Christmas, a couple of Christmases ago, I bought him an AR-22 rifle. Yeah. And it was a collapsible stock, so it fit him good. Yeah. And uh, man, he he knew exactly. Oh, that's an AR. That's a that's an M16. Yeah. It got him excited. Had a big clip in it, whole thirty rounds of twenty two or whatever. Right, right, right. And uh, take him out, let him shoot cans and bottles, and find safe places. You know where you could shoot into water, so they can see where the bullet hits and things like that. Right. Yeah, they, they love it. And so you know, like an AR, uh, is something great to try kid on. You want to get a, a a young person a gun that fits them. Yeah. Worst thing in the world is if the stock doesn't fit them. And you know, I know like Savage has these Accu stocks now mm-hmm. with the where you can change the the length of pull and stuff like that. So the you know the kids a lot of them you start them off at say ten or twelve or whatever and they they grow like weeds. So you got a gun like that you can change the, the length mm-hmm. of pull to fit them. Um, Makes you know the worst thing in the world is is you know when you're shooting targets you're on a bench rest or whatever, is having that scope come back and hit a kid. I, I always right. like to tell them to wear a hat and make sure that bill can clear the the back end of that scope so yeah. it doesn't hit him in the face. I remember when I was like, I had to have been like 12 years old. I was shooting a, a lever action 30 30, and I got way too close to that scope and that thing bopped me. Oh yeah, it's smarted, and, and, and you know, and I've known cases where that just turns a kid off. I can completely. See, yeah, luckily yeah. I'd been, you know, I'd been shooting. I was just making yeah. a numb skull mistake, yeah. which I'm sure doesn't surprise well, you. No, I mean you're thick-headed, so <laughs> it didn't hurt you too bad. But um, you know, I get a lot asked a lot what calibers. That's yeah. That's bar none. That's the most common question or most high frequency question we get. Is this we you know what what's the best caliber to use for deer hunting? Yeah. Well, and uh, for for a young person, it varies, but um, I like to recommend a seven millimeter O eight. Shoots a hundred and forty grain bullet. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of bad kick, um, and it's it's. And I hunt with a seven O eight sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good round to shoot. It's something, uh, Abby. <laughs> Calm down. Um, it's a it's a it's a gun that they can grow with, and uh, or you can pass it on to the next generation. But uh, yeah. I don't like 243s. No? Why is that? Uh, well, uh, they kick just as bad, and yeah. they shoot a smaller bullet. Right. And um, and uh, i just never been a big fan of 243s. 243 to me is like a 410 shotgun. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a caliber. It's a gauge for more of an expert right. uh, to, to shoot because bullet placement becomes even more critical right. when you're shooting a smaller 
yeah. smaller diameter, faster moving type bullet like that. Right. And I, I can see that too because the, the last thing you want, especially if you take a, a kid or a new hunter and you get the last thing you want to do is for them to shoot a deer and not find it. Yeah, that's right. And g- going on that, you know, bullet placement, for te- you know, the, the old, the old, um, rule will shoot uh behind the shoulder f- for the heart right and to me that's the wrong place to shoot okay uh, i like to tell people shoot right in the middle of the shoulder broadside got to be broadside never shoot if you're quartering to right. you or whatever right with a rifle but sh- broadside shoot them right in the middle of the shoulder um it's got so much more room for error especially for a young person who gets nervous whatever mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because if you shoot too high, you're still going to hit, you know, break them down. Mm-hmm. Hit too low, you're going to hit lung and heart. Left or right, you know, you got, you're got going to get lung, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or the other side, you're going to get neck. Right. Much higher percent shot. And usually when you shoot them right in the middle of the shoulder, they drop. Right. You know, there's no tracking involved. Yeah. And that's what you, I mean, that's, I mean, heck, I've seen you made that sh- that shot just filming you I at Cottonmouth. E- yeah, yeah, I shoot everything, elk, deer, whatever. You may destroy a little meat, but it's more important to put that animal down. Yeah. Not have them run off. You know, here in Mississippi, they can run into some thick stuff. They don't bleed right. Right. You never find them, so you're wasting a whole lot of meat. Yeah. And uh, a tag to boot. So, uh, yeah, that's just where I like to tell people to shoot, and you're not going to lose that much meat. So, I could definitely, I mean, I can definitely see the argument there, you know, because, like you said, that's such a high percentage shot. Yeah. That you know, and the chances of you finding the deer, recovering low the deer. in the heart. So many things happen. You can shoot, hit them in the guts. You can shoot below them. You can shoot them in the brisket. Brisket, yep. and yeah. that happens a lot. People mm-hmm. shooting them in a the brisket. That deer can take a step, yeah, or whatever. Um, you know, so I, that, that's just my personal choice where yeah. to shoot a deer. That, and that's I, I've seen this happen a lot. Not just on, uh, you know, just knowing people and hearing stories. They just, you know, a lot of times someone gets introduced to deer hunting, they just get handed a gun. And then they see a deer, and then they just think, I shoot this thing anywhere, and I'll yeah. get it. You know, no yeah. one ever talks about, you know, it's in, we focus so hard on shot placement with archery. You don't ever, you don't hear it nearly emphasized as much with guns. Right, and and start them off respecting the animal. Right. Say, so like, if you want to kill a deer, you got to do your work. You got to practice. You got to know where to shoot them. You got to get good with your rifle. And of course, safety goes right along with that. Yeah. And I, I 100% agree with that because, I, I, I mean, I don't know how many times we pull up here from, you know, stand hanging or just coming into camp or whatever, and you're out there at the lane out there shooting your gun. You know, that's the young people, and, you know, I know we want to talk about more about it, but young people, that's our future of hunting. Right. That's our future hunters, and without them, uh, we're not going to have hunting uh, like it is now mm-hmm. as we grow older. Yeah. What what about, you know, like a circumstance, because this is one we get to, I always revert back to these questions because that's what obviously what people are wanting to hear. Um, what about, you know, a new hunter that's not a kid, say as an adult? Are you going to are you gonna suggest them to start out the same way or are you maybe going to take a different route? Um, it's, it's similar in some cases, you know, depending on how used they are to firearms, say right. if they've been in the service or something like that and they're used to shooting, uh, you got to, you know, Get them the right setup, the right rifle, scope, bullet, uh, and uh, that that sort of thing. But safety, of course, is paramount. Right. You know, it's it, it's hard to teach. You know, you and I grew up hunting. Right. From an early age. Yeah. 
and we're taught safety. We're taught how to uh, be in the woods and, and how to hunt. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's di- more difficult for an older person. Yeah. So the best thing to do is for them to have a good friend or mentor mm-hmm. to that they can go with, that can teach them these things yeah. and uh, hopefully get them up to speed yeah. where they need to be. Yeah, having a mentor definitely – definitely is that most ideal situation but that's that's part of the reason why we do um still honestly stuff like this podcast that's why we did all those educational videos yeah. on our youtube for you know because not everyone has the luxury of having that you would be surprised how many uh people say they've gotten out of high school or gotten out of college they're working a job and they've never you know their parents didn't hunt they didn't have anybody in the family that hunted mm-hmm. that would love to hunt yeah that would really like to but they don't know where to start right and uh you know and that that's a that's a little bit of an issue but there are yeah. plenty of people out there that would be glad to help them get started it's just making those right contacts going to a bow shop is a, is a good place going to a, a good gun shop mm-hmm. and asking questions and stuff like that and, right and uh so you know that's that's what i recommend for those type of yeah. people i mean heck my, i mean and i've told this story on this podcast before my mother last year killed yeah. her first deer yeah she yeah. J- just through i mean I, honestly just through me doing this job and talk you know being around y'all she just one day she just said lake i want to kill a deer i want to do it i want to see i see, see what it's all about i said yeah. let's go and yeah. you know what we did we just what we were talking about we took it it wasn't a 22 we took a 17 a savage 17 uh-huh. and we went out there and uh, I didn't have any metal targets. What I actually did, I took I took clay I took clay pigeons. Yeah. And put them out there and stacked them out. And she shot them. So when she hit them, they bust. Yeah. And she liked that. And then uh, first time we took her out there, she shot a doe and loved yeah. it. Yeah. She's already been. Are we gonna go again this year? <laughs> said, Absolutely. Good. Well, you got you got a sweet mama too. I do that. I got very very lucky in that standpoint. But I mean, like like I was. It goes back to what I was saying. Those kind of situations happen. She'd grown she'd grown up here. She just said in her family traditionally the the women really didn't hunt you know and so she but um a lot of women now are getting into hunting they are yeah they really are they are and i was i mean i was tickled to death she i mean she had a great time i had a great time it was it was special yeah for sure um what do you like okay so this is what we get a lot like if you're if i had to ask you you know which i know this would never happen because you enjoy guns too much but if I had if I had to ask you, you're gonna have one whitetail gun for the rest of your life. But <laughs> see, I know <laughs> you like variety. But if you had to, I know people would like hearing this. If you had to choose one bullet set up and everything, what what would you go with? Well, I guess uh, because you hunt all different kind of situations. You hunt uh, tree stands in kind of thicker woods. Mm-hmm. You hunt big open bean fields. Right. But if I had to choose one, I guess it would be my seven millimeter Magnum. I knew you were going to say bolt that. A, a bolt yeah. action seven mag yeah. with an adjustable scope that would adjust from like uh, two and a half or three up to whatever ten, twelve power, something mm-hmm. like that, to give me some. Uh, you know, if I'm hunting a big open place, to give me some extra uh, magnification. Right. right. Um, but I like hunting with all kind of guns. Yeah. So I want since you said that, I want to ask you. So. How how's your setup gonna vary? If you say okay, we'll do both of them. We'll do like big open, long range, and then if you're gonna hunt in the woods, what are you gonna do for like a big open, big open spot? Big open spot. Uh, my my Savage uh, Model One Ten Storm. I like stainless steel guns, more weatherproof. I can hunt all kind of weather. Uh, bolt action, twenty two inch barrels, mm-hmm. uh, seven millimeter Magnum. Right. Shoot one hundred and forty grain Federal 
trophy bonded tip bullet. I love uh, that bullet. Yeah, Those you know, trophy bonded tips are it's awesome. A, it's a it's a big hollow point bullet with a plastic tip in it to give it better uh, ballistics. Right. But when you hit something that 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 uh, plastic tip goes away, and you got that big open cavity there, hollow point mm. for expansion. And the neat thing about it, that copper jacketed is uh, electro whatever mm-hmm. bonded to the lead core, so it peels back, but right. it doesn't doesn't bust apart. Yeah. And um, so it's it, that's a great bullet in whatever caliber you're shooting. Right. Um, and uh, uh, but if I'm hunting in a you know like a smaller food plot, or I'm hunting in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like a I like a shorter barrel rifle, uh, you know, either in a 308 right. or uh, uh, 6.5, 7mm 08. Yeah. You know, that, that 6.5 Creedmoor has gotten a lot, a lot of that's, publicity yeah, lately. That's and, been and, become a very popular whitetail gun. It, it has, but it, there's a misconception with that bullet that it's a wonder bullet. Um, it's just like any other bullet. It, it was really designed for long-range shooting, mm-hmm. shooting 1,000-yard targets. And so when you're shooting a deer, very rarely do you shoot a deer at much over mm-hmm. 100 yards, say, or much less, say, 1,000 yards. So bullet placement is is, is essential with that 6.5. So many people think, just shoot the deer and he'll die right there because yeah. this is the 6.5 Creedmoor. That's not the, the magic cat. gun. Yeah. That's the magic gun, and and I like that caliber. It doesn't kick very hard. Right. You're shooting 120 to 140 grain bullets, say, plenty plenty of power. Mm-hmm. Ballistics on it are not that impressive, 2,700 feet per second at the muzzle. Right. But it's just got a, it's a long bullet, very aerodynamic, and it, it is a good whitetail bullet right. uh, uh, for, you know, doing what we do. But it's not a wonder bullet. Not like a wonder said. bullet. Uh, not not if you, unless you like shooting targets at a thousand yards. Right. I remember it was uh, when Tom Fuller came down here. Yeah. The th- and he, he the thousand yard gun he had, which uh, just which he hunted with it too. It was a six five. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, it's it's all about bullet placement. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of two forty three, but if you put that bullet where it belongs with two forty three, it's killed a lot of deer. Mm-hmm. My daddy hunted with a two forty three. Yeah. But uh, uh, it's 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 just it's not what you hit them with, and neither is a seven mag. Some people think seven millimeter magnum, three hundred wind mag. Gosh, you know you hit them, boy, that just that'll yeah. kill them right just from the shock of that bullet. Right, it doesn't happen that way. Right, yeah, doesn't it's happen. still you still got to pay gotta attention. You got to put the bullet where you want it. Mm-hmm. How uh, would your scope vary at all from set? You know, how, from scope power, would you change that up from open areas to woods? I, I guess not because. Um, I've gotten where I like scopes. You know, a three to nine variable scope is probably the most popular scope in in the country. Mm-hmm. They sell more of that combination scope and whatever brand there is. And uh, but I like uh, the 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 low power is fine, but I like some high power too. If I'm in the right setup, you know, I got a rifle on a, a rest and everything. You can turn that uh, magnification up. Mm-hmm. And really study a deer, study the horns and whatever, and yep. uh, you know, especially if they're out past 100 yards or 200 yards. So I like a scope with a lot of lot, some good low magnification, like two and a half to three, and then I like high end. I think most of the scopes I got now are set up on a two and a half to 16 power yep. uh, scope. Um, uh, you know, uh, the 
Bushnell's got this new forge out. It's great. They just very clear scope. Yeah, just what really I got good on in low light. Yeah, oh, it's it's awesome. It really is. Yeah. And it doesn't have that big objective. I think it's forty four millimeters. Mm-hmm. Not a big fifty. And it's you know it's a fairly compact scope. It's about the size of a three to nine in most most sizes. So, yeah. um, but a three to nine is fine. Uh, you know you you know. But my personal preference is something with a little bit higher magnification, yeah. which I really. But don't. And this is a mistake a lot of people make. Keep your rifle set on lower magnification. Usually when I'm hunting in the woods, it's set not at the very bottom, but like on full power. Because if that deer comes out close and you got it set up on 16 power, you're in trouble. I've got a funny story about that. I bet you do. It was when I was hunting with my dad uh, at our family place up in North Mississippi. And I was, I, I had killed a deer at that time, but I, you know, I was still, I was young and green and uh, I was, you know, I'd been in the stand and I was just, you know, kind of looking at stuff. I was just fooling with a scope. I kept turning the power and I had the power turned way up. Yeah. And we had this doe walk out at about, <laughs> I mean, like bow range. Yeah. And dad was like, shoot her. And I could not find her at the scope, yeah. but I couldn't figure out why, you know, because my little head, I was That's freaking right. out. That probably would have been the second or third well, you, deer I ever shot. Know, and I'm looking and I couldn't yeah. find her. You get excited. Yeah. You know, when things start to happen, that deer walks out. And I'm, you know, I'm on up there in age. But I still get excited, <laughs> so I have to watch myself. Yeah. And uh, you know, and another thing, uh, you need a rest. You need something to rest your gun on. Of course, we make trigger sticks. We make all kind of shooting rest accessories. Right. But don't, Abby girl. Um, don't forget, especially with children or hunting in a shooting blind, even in a tree stand. You know, we carry uh, uh, one of our trigger sticks. Got a special little thing on the bottom. So you can step, put your foot on it and move it around where you can rest your rifle. Right. I don't care if you're only shooting 20 yards, 30 yards, you shoot better with a rest on your gun. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, that's those trigger sticks, I don't go without them. Yeah. Or, I mean, they, and that's those are, yeah. Sometimes you even see a, a, a deer you want to shoot as you're walking to your stand. Mm-hmm. And don't think there's always going to be a tree or a rock you can rest on. Right. I've been there, and it don't happen. Sometimes it works out that way, but <coughs> I'd rather bet on having a trigger stick. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah, or some sort of rest. Some sort of rest. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely don't trust myself freehanding. Yeah. That's never. If you don't, if you don't want to buy one, cut a stick or something. Just, yeah. But have that something you can uh, steady your rifle with. Yeah, 100%. I remember last year, your your cousin, it was two years ago, your cousin forgot his trigger stick. Wilbur? Yeah. Forgot something? Yeah. So he cut a stick on the way to the blind. He said he's making a homemade trigger stick. Uh huh. And I think he like taped up. I mean, it had, he had a little Y yoke to rest it in and stuff. I'm but sure he did. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't have the adjustment capabilities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that boy! I tried to raise him right, but I don't know. You can only do so much. You're not a wizard, you know. No, I'm not. I can't do miracles. <laughs> well, I think. Uh, yeah, we got to get down to skin and shed. We got some pictures to take and some cameras to check and i think we covered as far as i can remember back uh, i think we covered everything mainly that i wanted to cover so yeah and and if people still have some questions they're you know we get a lot of uh, messages off of facebook Mm -hmm. and stuff like that to our office we do our best to answer them Uh, you know the uh, mary ashley that receives those things she'll send them out to the crew and say what do y'all what can i tell this guy Mm -hmm. if she doesn't have the answer right there so if someone sends a question into facebook or instagram it gets it gets tended to yeah we have a a hundred percent response rate (laughs) so uh 
Yeah, anyway, guys, um, I hope you all enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Mr. Jimmy, thank you for right. finally gracing the podcast You're with your welcome, presence. Mike. I, I'm, I'm just trying to help you right you know? <laughs> uh, So that's all we have for today. Thank you all for listening. Definitely, if you have any questions, don't be afraid to send them in. And as always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast. Amen.